Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast. I almost messed it up where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here. We have done three days here at Genzibar Jam 2023 in Orlando, Florida at the Gaylord Palm Resort. We have talked to amazing people in and around higher education today. The conversations continue. The noise, you probably hear background noise. It's because there's a ton of stinking people around here. I got to be honest. And uh, I got to say, this place is freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun here so far. And I know we have a fun guest today. She uh, has a big smile on her face. Big smile on her face. She is waiting to unload all the information that she has in her brain on us today. Here she is. She's Dr. Marie Roberts. She's VP of Enrollment Management at East Central Community College. Dr. Marie, how are you? I am well. How are you guys doing today? Um, you know what? I don't think I could. I had a boss once that said if I was doing any better, it wouldn't be fair. All right. How do you like that? So I actually usually phrase mine. Some days I thrive and some days I survive. Today's a thrive day for me. Excellent. Well, we're glad you're thriving here on the Ed Experience Podcast. Uh, Marie, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about East Central Community College. Sure. So I am uh, in a new department and a new role at a new focus at our institution. Uh, East Central Community College services five counties in central Mississippi. We're a public access two-year institution. We kind of split the pot halfway between college preparatory, university transfer coursework, and then career and technical education, workforce training programs, things of that nature. We run about 2,400 students in any given semester across about 23 different programs. And um, I tell everybody I have the the, the pleasure of serving, I call it Mayberry, honestly, but it is the best people and the best product. And so now we're spending our focus on optimizing those processes. And so my whole focus on the JAM conference here has just been about streamlining and making the user experience for our students really, really smooth and clean. And so I always will speak and advocate really on behalf of the student. Amazing. We, um, going back to what you just said, uh, that that's a lot. And you said you're in a new role, a yes. new focus. So what yes. was the old role and old focus? And what's the transition been like? Sure. So um, what we kind of call the changing of the guard, so to speak, the, the former org chart setup was a student services model, which I kind of have the best way I've had to wrap my, around, my head around the definition is it's very reactive. Students come with a problem, students come with a question, and then you respond at that exact moment. And so there wasn't a lot of proactivity happening. So now with the enrollment management focus is we're really trying to meet students not only where they are, but also predict what their next information needs to be. What do we need to kind of give to them? Instead of it letting me like a buffet, pick anything that you want and we'll figure it out once you've made your selection. We're trying to be really cognizant of the fact that they may really not know. Let's try to help guide them and meet them exactly where they are and then teach them where they need to be headed. And that starts all the way from the application process up through accessing technology, through interactions with their peers, setting them up in a cohort with a mentor. I mean, really, it can touch any aspect of the student life cycle. And to me, everybody, if, if you're breathing, you're a potential student or hopefully you're an alumni. So from my standpoint, it's really kind of helped everybody. 100%. Um, so I like a lot of what you said, streamlining, I heard streamlining, I heard process efficiency. The student is changing. I, I mean, I think, right, technology is changing how the student wants to experience their education and also the expectations, right? Very much so. I, I, it, we've talked about this. We talked about it in our book. It's if the student is going to Amazon and they are buying something on Amazon and it's getting delivered to them on the same day, and then they're going to go to their bank account and they're going to transfer money from one account to the next within 30 seconds. Right? You can transfer your money within your bank accounts within 30 seconds. And then you go to a higher ed institution and it takes weeks or it takes days. or And it's like, why can't we do it in hours too? So how important is that, like speed and efficiency to the overall vision that you have for your department? 
So for us, I mean, I think you really just kind of hit the nail on the head there. We are driven by this social um, expectation. If you can have a secure bank account that you are confident that the information is accurate, that it is timely, that it's consistent, why can't education mirror that experience? Um, and I, I use this example of back in the day, like you think about the, the banks of the 1950s and 60s, you walked in, you knew your teller, you shook their hand, you agreed to a car loan, it was a friendly experience. Now, when is the last time you stepped foot in that bank, you knew that teller's name, they knew a little bit about information about you. And so it's, it's gotten cold, it's gotten um, uh, impersonal. And so I like to deliver and use the technology to deliver that personal touch. And so for me, it, it is of the most vital um, it's the vital root of, of everything that we're doing as a department. And my session, I uh, led a session on Wednesday and actually use that Excellent. exact same analogy. You know, it's a, it's a changing world, but you are at the front end of everything that's happening. You host a podcast. I want to hear more, more about this and what you cover. Yeah, so uh, the, the podcast was kind of the brainchild of um, working in education at all levels. So to me, education is a lifelong thing. I'm a lifelong learner. I, I take college classes just so I can experience the same thing my students are experiencing. But I believe anything can be a learning experience. So we started a podcast. It started off, um, honestly, as a place for teachers um, coming out of COVID. And we were trying to figure out how do you improve morale? How do institutions continue to, to be the place? So for me, the podcast has been a, a venting session, but it's also been therapy. It's been um, counseling. It's been networking. It's been a way of connecting and just trying to share the stories of here's what we've learned from it. Maybe it might help someone else because at the end of the day, that's what we do for our students too. How, what what uh, I'm sure innovations come out of that too, right? Or shared ideas. You know, this is what you can do. Here's how I'm handling this. How important is that to our health as, right? Because we always talk about students and we talk about mental health. We also know that there's a ton of people who are leaving higher education and that does not help students. So we have to take care of ourselves uh, who take care of the students, right? We take care of the students. We have to take care of ourselves. How important is that to this podcast and the group that you're talking to? I, I think you can't fill up the cup of others until your own cup is full. And so I think that that's a vital, you know, kind of component. I guess the like a really practical takeaway that I found is we're hosting a podcast right now, live in the middle of a conference. The things that technology is allowing us to do is, is so beyond even the scope that I don't even think that we take a second to stop and realize what we have. Mm. Right. And so as an example of that, a lot of the folks that I've had a chance to meet through these types of conversations now from an instruction standpoint. Right. So I serve as an adjunct instructor as well. Back in the day, I would have told a student how to submit their work to me. Mm -hmm. I want it in a paper. I want it in a project. I want it on a poster board. Right. Now I give my students the freedom to choose how they submit demonstration of mastery to me. So. I'm teaching a class this month right now, and I have students who are writing rap songs and submitting those. They're doing video mm. essays. One, we're doing a podcast. Amazing. Some are still writing the traditional essay because that's what they're comfortable with. But I tell them, I need to know that it's authentically yours. I need you to show me what you've done. Prove to me that you've mastered the content. How you choose to do that, that's up to you. Be creative in it because at the end of the day, creativity stems from curiosity, which then stems to competency. You know, my co-founder here of the Oedip Experience, Alvin Freitas, once wrote once wrote a rap song and then... You're fired. That was the end of that. No more rap songs for him. Uh, Play to your strengths there, okay? Play to your strengths. You're fired. You're, fi you're fired. Oh, uh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, enrollment management is not easy. I know this because I also work in enrollment management, right? There's this, this competing priorities. There's, um, you know, efficiency. I know you guys are new to the Gens of R1 system, right? So you have to have data. You have to have... Uh, predictive analytics, you have to have personas, you have to have all these things to be able to recruit students. It's competitive out there. Talk about your strategy 
a little bit. Give give me the secret. Actually, tell me how to do the secret the job sauce. Yeah, the tell secret me how to sauce. do the job better. Um, so uh, when I interviewed for my position, they asked me, you know, why should we pick you or what makes you the strongest candidate? And, and what I said was, I'm going to ask more questions than the ones I have answers to. Um, I think as, as long as everyone comes into the situation understanding enrollment management is not a single department, just like a recruiter is not a single job. It's everybody's no. job. It's everybody's mindset. It's everybody's campus culture. And as long as everyone's comfortable understanding, I might be asking questions about how the business office does something or how financial aid does something or how housing does something or student life or any of the other things. And it's not because I'm attacking that department or I'm criticizing something that's been done in the past. In reality, I'm trying to understand it to figure out how it plays into the overall enrollment goals. Because at the end of the day, if we're not enrolling students, what are we doing? You know, that's, in, that's a, I love that you say that. And I wonder if everybody knows the answers to the questions that you're asking, or sometimes are people doing things just because that was the blocking and tackling of the past. And, and you go, why are we doing this? And you get this, <laughs> right? I mean, so, and then you have to go, okay, we, we have to focus on this. We have to do this better. We have to bring efficiency to this because then I'm going to give you back time so you can go and talk to students, right? Did everybody know the answers to your questions, I wonder? I mean, not at all. Okay, good. I was going to say, not you don't have to be that honest, if, but yes, be honest. Not at all. So actually in the session I was able to facilitate uh, as a part of the JAM conference, I asked them a practical takeaway. And, and there was people in the room from, from institutional research and from accreditation and all the way down to instructors and, and IT directors, right? And the question that I asked was, do you know how long it takes to apply for admission to your institution? And could you talk someone through else how to do it? And if you can, Outrageous. you know, if you can't say yes to both of those questions, go home tonight and apply for admission to your institution. You know how many people have not done that? I say that all the time to people at my institution. Go and go through the application process for number one, to tell me what you think. Yes. But number two, so you can see how easy you think or how hard you think it is to actually do so. That perspective can drive a lot of innovation. People don't take the time to apply to their own institutions because, well, it takes time. Mm -hmm. But if you can't do that, then what are we doing, right? I mean, so what about staff? Talk to me about staff. Talk to me about change management. You've been on the, on the platform since 2022. You're new. What's the adoption curve looking like on Genzabar One? Are you using it the way you want to be using it? Is there opportunity? I mean, I think there's always opportunity for improvement. We've had some really good conversations this week about things that we would like for the platform to do. Some of that is strictly my ignorance and not knowing what it can and can be capable of doing. I think on the other side, though, is if we can continue to bring in these non-education examples, like from banking, like from mm. online shopping, like from customized, personalized hotels. content, hotels, yeah. yes, concierge, white glove service yeah. that we're known for. If we can continue to bring in those examples and, and infuse education interactions in those ways we're not doing anything but setting ourselves up for success hmm. do you walk in and ever go guys execute order 66 that's my new sound that but i mean sometimes you have to provide the directional piece well, right? so it's either buy-in or it's bloody revolution <laughs> uh, those are the only two options Trademark i try that. to go to i always try to lean on option one i like to get the buy-in but sometimes maybe we do need to have just guys it's gonna be bloody revolution <laughs> we, we love that um you're you, you're having conversations about ed tech too ai it's a thing. Yes. It's a thing, right? Um, wasn't a thing six months ago, but it sure is a thing today. Yeah, people keep saying that. And I was like, guys, I was doing this like a year and a half ago to write my discussion boards. What have you been doing? Oh, this is great. Um, it, you know, higher ed is like in the shock and awe period. And I think the, the regular general public 
uh, person in the general public probably doesn't know a lot about AI. I think maybe because we work in higher ed or you work for some Fortune 500s, you're getting more experience and more uh, exposure to AI, where somebody just walking around uh, on the sidewalk, taking their kids to Disneyland may not know as much about AI. But it has been around for a while. Right. Why is it? Why is the revolution here? What, what happened to make it a thing when it wasn't really a thing before, but it was? I think it's a mindset. If you if you believe at the root of it that AI is creating and substituting learning, then you will have a mindset that it is a revolution, that it is um, this big, oh my gosh, we all have to freak out type situation. If you come at it from as it's one more tool to use and let's use it meaningfully, then it's not as scary. It's not as it's not as dangerous. Let's figure out how to purposefully and meaningfully bring it in. And I'll use this as an example. Do you guys remember when cell phones took over education and everybody had like, oh, we don't allow cell phones in our classroom or heaven forbid a laptop. I'm way too young to remember those things. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Elvin told me about it. Like, I just remember like having to put my cell phone like in the, the, the little like clear plastic shoe container that the teacher had hung on the back of the door because heaven forbid there were cell phones. Well, now you think about it. Yikes! that's that's not the norm anymore and so what's the new normal for us is for me is it's it's figuring out purposeful ways to infuse ai and so for me that looks like depending on what you're teaching or what you're doing right so we come from enrollment management so for me it's like let's generate 10 social media content posts that yes. would speak to that population but from an instructor standpoint that might be go ahead and proofread my essay for me and then tell me the corrections that you would recommend that i make not write one original on my behalf let me submit mine to it and make it better Full transparency, I uploaded my Vita into an AI generator into ChatGPT, actually. And it had some really good feedback for me. And so I was like, oh, that's actually a really good suggestion. So I was like, let me update that on my LinkedIn real quick. All right. Well, that was impressive. I'm going to do that, too. You should. I am going to do that. Um, what What's the reaction, though? So you're, you're adjunct, you're teaching, you have an institution, you know the faculty there. Is that widely accepted, the what you just said about AI and using it? And Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I think it's, again, it's a fear. Why? Fear? It's fear. It's un fear of the unknown. We're afraid of what we don't know, but they also haven't seen it modeled. And so I think if we can provide examples, I tell people all the time, my Twitter is an open, uh, it's open. Anyone else out there can, can reach out to me. I actually posted, I think like Wednesday night, like if you have questions about how to incorporate AI into an instructional or into a management, like literally send me a DM. I'll give you, give me a, like a, like a, a fictitious example. I'll flip it for you and show you how you can infuse it. Oh uh, Yeah. Uh, the secret to enrollment management, I think one of the secrets is efficiency. And I think it's proactivity versus reactive, right? It, it used to be the old days, you, you know, the uh, faculty comes, they put up a new program somewhere and you go, oh, we've got a new program in sports management or AI or whatever. Uh, students are just going to walk in here and enroll. Well, higher ed's competitive now. If you don't have the right technology in place, you will lose. Yes. Because that technology is going to give you the efficiency and the data you need to make good decisions. Talk about that and how you use data to make good decisions. I think everything is data, right? I think that's why people buy it and sell it and trade it. And it's like the it's the it's the most common currency that's not printed, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, data drives like what programs need to be closed, what programs need to be pivoted, what programs need to be renamed, what programs need to be open and launched. And maybe we need to have some short term non-credit type programs mm. just to create a really tangible skill set. And that's a six week type stand up that I don't have to go through the hurdles of opening something like that. So to me, the data has to drive everything that we do. And if you're not looking at your data, if you're leaning on this is the way we've always done it. This is the gut feeling that we have. This is what we did a long time ago that worked. We don't live in that world anymore. Mm. Your institution 
um, East Central Community College. You probably have credit. You have probably some non-credit stuff. Yep. Community colleges are really good at serving students where they are. Um, but community college student decline. It's the enrollment's been in decline. It's now flatlining. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of great work around getting students back. But community colleges can't just teach and learn anymore. They have to offer all these ancillary services that are the higher ed didn't even think it needed to have, like food pantries and counseling services. And that makes it more difficult to operate and sustain. Can you talk about what your institution is doing to serve students in ways that maybe higher ed wasn't designed for? Sure. So I mean, everything that you just said, add on a professional clothing closet that people can borrow dresses and, and suits from for a business interview. Um, look at on-campus institutional and federally funded work-study programs for work-based learning because of transportation issues. Maybe they can't get to the office where they're wanting to job shadow, but instead we may have an institution on our campus that can have them in that office. We, we, we talked a little bit about like sports marketing and sports management. If that's their major, but there's no transportation, boom, you're now the new student intern in our sports department, right? Mm. And so it's, it's turning back into the institution and figuring out there's learning happening everywhere. We just have to figure out how to match the student up to that learning experience. Um, and so that's a lot of really crucial conversations. I would recommend if your institution is not already looking at student focus groups. And when I say student focus groups, I'm talking about both formal and informal. There needs to be a constant conversation happening with, hey, guys, what do you think about this? What's your conversations about that? Um, what are your feels on, on this? Do you guys think this is a good idea? And 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 run with it. And that has to be across, um, you know, a cross section of your entire campus population. One of the things I have here in front of me is that you help faculty do their hero thing. Yes. And, and, and digital empathy is one of the things that, you know, first of all, I was reading this. I'm like, all right, digital empathy. We need to talk about that. First of all, what is digital empathy and how do you help people do their hero thing? Because I want you to help me. <laughs> so for me, digital empathy always comes back down for down to the idea of I can have empathy for a fellow human and whatever it is that they're experiencing digital empathy adds that whatever they're experiencing a frustration with the way something operates, a user experience, a, a something is not loading the way that it should, or it's not looking the correct way on their device or their browser. Ah. Digital empathy to me simply means taking the humanistic values of, of having compassion for your fellow person and adding a level of now we're doing it perhaps with a technology component. You know, that's fine. You're right. If you can't get into something, that frustration to build. It, it, it was yesterday I was trying to get in one of my personal accounts and it made me reset my password. My wife's asking me for the password. I don't know what it is. She's <laughs> texting me 15 times. I got to reset the password. I try to reset it and then I go, I reset it and I go and try to log in and it doesn't log me in. The frustration's building. I'm getting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you think about that from a student perspective, and they go, you know what? Forget it. I'm not doing my work tonight. Yep. And they go to the next day. Or and I'm now not I'm applying for admission tonight. Right. Now I'm behind. Now I'm going to wait another week. It's summertime. Mm -hmm. A year goes by, two years goes by. So if we don't do what you're saying and have digital empathy for people experiencing digital education, they're just going to move on to something else or find an excuse of why they couldn't do it, right? So we have to take those excuses and those barriers away. So I guess um, what you just said, psychologists will tell us that the human brain has two favorite things, their name and to be thanked. And as a really practical experience, I always start every email when someone has taken the time to send me a message or to ask me a question, I'm, I'm going to assume that they have probably tried to figure it out themselves first. Mm -hmm. what, what's the one thing we always do when we don't know something? We Google it. Well, yeah. So I if they've it. tried to Google it and then they've reached out to me still. YouTube, maybe too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Or TikTok, depending mm -hmm. on what time of day it is. Um, I always will respond back with hi and their name. Thank you so much for reaching out. That's such a good tip. 
And it's like, you took the time to ask me this question. I may not have the answer, but I consider myself the glue of the institution. I don't know anything about my institution, but I'm just the person who connects them to all. Of I'm just like holding it all together, right? Like, let me get you to the right person. I love that. That's a fact. That's a fact. If you don't have the glue, you will lose. You got to have a glue guy, as they say, or a glue girl, because they do know how to get stuff done through other people, right? right. Sometimes people don't communicate, but if you have that glue person like you're talking about, you can move mountains. You really, truly can. Um, you're moving mountains at East Central Community College. How is the growth path? So we're, I'm, I'm actually coming up on the end of year one. I was actually looking at some data this morning. Excellent. Again, coming back to that significance of data, we are having a new student orientation. We've been in orientation season. We are actually on track to not only have stabilized our enrollment decline, but actually look to about a 3 to 6% increase in fall enrollment. Amazing. And I'm like, right, I kind of want to say like, woohoo. And so I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, you should I've, be pumped. You know, it's, it's exciting stuff. Well, you know what? That's why we say you're the one and only. <laughs> What else do you want to say about East Central Community College that hasn't been said? Open mic for you. Well, so for us as an institution, we've been around since 1928. We're going to be around a lot longer than that. But for me, what I love about us is we take our middle name very seriously. It's community oriented. We have the five counties that we are legislatively, um, you know, constitutionally set to serve. We help students and we meet them right where they are. So for me, it's always been about making sure that we have really crucial conversations. What do you want to do? What's your end goal? And how can we as a college help get you there? Um, we, our actual college motto is with you in mind. And we mean that with mm. the faculty in mind, with the student in mind, with the student's family in mind with the student's child in mind with the student transportation in mind so it has to really kind of integrate through every single thing that we do wow i love it did you enjoy being on the edip experience podcast today very much so well we enjoyed having you here i enjoyed it a lot uh you there's a reason you have your own podcast and that's because you kill it on the microphone oh gosh ladies and gentlemen <laughs> My guest, your guest, Dr. Marie Roberts. She's VP of Enrollment Management at East Central Community College. Marie, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. If you have any questions, want to reach out, find me on Twitter at Marie underscore Roberts 2, or you can hit me up jmarieroberts.weebly.com. Oh, I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped.